Uh, as Zamaudi announced a little earlier, um, I do have um, some bittersweet news uh, to announce. You know, today marks the 18th anniversary of the September 11th tragedy. Uh, I don't know where you were at and what you were doing on September 11th, 18 years ago, but, you know, today marks a day of great grief and sorrow for thousands of people. And um, with that, I have some, some very sad news. We lost a dear sister in Christ early Monday morning. Our sister, Alexis Liebert, uh, passed away due to complications in our health. And uh, I know by this time, most of us have either received a text uh, phone call or we received the news somehow, some way through someone. Uh, I'm having a hard time dealing with it. So let's pray as I uh, try to encourage you. Prayerfully, I'll be encouraged myself. Let's pray. Our gracious Father in heaven, Lord, we, we come before you asking for comfort, uh, not just for ourselves, Lord, but for also for the families who are still mourning 18 years later. Loved ones that they've lost due to this terrible tragedy, September 11th. God, we ask that you will give us strength to move forward, that you'll help us to have a godly perspective about death and life. Father, we know that death is a part of life. We know that at some point in our lives, you will call us home. But God, we're never ever truly prepared for that time. But I do pray that you can help us to be as ready as possible and that we can help each other to be as ready as possible. God, let my words be yours. My words be comforting to us tonight. Help us to have a perspective that you yourself had when it comes to death and dying and when it comes to the graduation that we all hope to be a part of, which is being with you forever in heaven. God, we love and thank you. We pray that you'll be with Clayton and the family in a very powerful way during this time and this tremendous uh, loss and this hole that's been left in our hearts. Uh, we know that only you can fill it, and we ask that you will do so at this time. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, receiving um, news of a loved one's death is never easy. Communicating the news is equally challenging. And so tonight, I want to do two things tonight. Um, I, want us, I want to give us a godly perspective on loss and grief. Uh, because you can, uh, if we're not careful, we can let grief take us places that are very hard and difficult to rebound from. And then secondly, we like to present an opportunity for how the church can make a difference in the wake of the 18th anniversary of this tragic 9-11 attack. Now, if time permits, we'd like to spend a few moments in prayer, um, especially for Clayton and Alexis's family. Uh, we'd also like to spend some time praying for the families of the 9-11 victims. And we also would like to pray that God will lead us to those who are hurting, whether it's directly uh, connected to 9-11 or just hurting spiritually in general because there has to be light and darkness and God calls us to be light and so we want to ask God to help us to be that light even when the darkest seems more most overwhelming so let's talk about a godly perspective tonight we're going to talk about overcoming evil with good you know 2001 and 9-11 2001 our nation was dealt a serious evil blow. There's no other way to describe taking the lives of almost 3,000 people but evil. There's no way to, 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 to uh, you know, cover it up. There's no way to make that sound any more palatable than just sheer evil. This is the world we live in. This is the world we're called to shine and be like Christ in. And as much as I wish we could take this away, we know that the only time that that will happen is when Jesus returns 
to call those who are faithful to him home. So I want us to really talk about having a godly perspective of grief and loss. The way we can do that is by replacing the fear of death with rejoicing in the faith of God. Now, there is a time to mourn. The Bible tells us that in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. And in that very same sentence, it says, there's a time to dance. Now, right now, it's hard to imagine. It's hard to imagine the possibility of rejoicing at the loss of someone so precious to us. But there is a possibility of that happening sooner rather than later. You know, when these things happen, we may feel all kinds of emotions. Shock, fear, sadness, anger, confusion. And we even consider our own mortality. But God is fully aware that we have these emotions, that we'll have these questions. God is absolutely aware about the concerns that we have when death visits us. And God addresses them with this perspective. In John 14, verses 1 through 4, Jesus said, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God and trust in me. There are many rooms in my father's house. I would not tell you this if it's not true. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And after I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. So that you may be where I am and you know the way to the place I'm going. Where is Jesus going? To heaven, right? Now here's the thing about going to heaven. The flesh cannot enter heaven. We can only enter heaven through our spiritual form, which means that there has to be a separation of spirit and flesh. And the way that happens is through death. So with the godly perspective, death is a tool that helps us prepare and get ready for heaven. Because otherwise, we cannot enter heaven. And Jesus said, look, I'm going to prepare a place for you. You know where I'm going because we've been talking about it for the last three years. And when I, when I prepare that place, I'm coming back. And I'm going to take you with me. In other words, I'm going to have to separate the flesh and the spirit. I'm going to have to transform you into a body that will not fade. A body that will not decay. A body that can last for eternity. In 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 13, it says, Brothers and sisters, we want you to know about those Christians who have died, so you will not be sad, as others who have no hope. We believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, so because of him, God will raise with Jesus those who have died. What we tell you now is the Lord's own message. This is a message that the Lord gave to his church to share. We who are living when the Lord comes again will not go before those who have already died. The Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command and the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet call of God. And those who have died believing in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be gathered up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. You know, one of the encouraging things to me in this passage is where it says, those who have died believing in Christ will rise first. When I, when I have a hard time dealing with the death of a brother or sister in Christ, I imagine, I imagine them being on either side of that golden road to heaven, welcoming me to heaven. I imagine Mr. George, 
I imagine Yvette. I imagine all of our brothers and sisters who have gone on before us clapping and applauding, saying, well done. You made it. You hung in there. And I believe that's why Jesus will raise them first to encourage us who are still here when God comes back. And if we go before Jesus comes back, then we'll be a part of that party. Welcoming those brothers and sisters who held on. Telling them, good and faithful servant, you made it. You did it. He says, we'll be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. You know, death is not the end all. Death is just part one. Living forever is part two. Right? Well, as long as we're here on earth, we're, we're living in part one. We're hoping to be a part of scene two, act two. We want to be there to see our brothers and sisters. In Psalm 116, in verse 15, it says, The death of one that belongs to the Lord is precious in his sight. See, God's perspective about death of a believer, the death of a believer is not like how the world sees death. The world sees death as the end. They try to comfort themselves with believing that there's got to be something better after this because that person is gone. But we know differently. We know that, okay, they're going on ahead, but I'm going to see them later. We know that it's not the end for a believer. And so when God looks at death, God looks at death as, it's time. I want you, I need you to come home. You know, I think about when I was a young guy growing up, and my mom finally allowed me to start hanging out past my curfew. As a concerned parent, she would send me a text message, what time are you coming home? And then I would respond, you know, I'll be home around this time. And then once I got a little past that time, she sends me, I want you to come home. You know, there's something about a parent that wants their children to be with them. No matter how old they are, no matter how far away they are, they want their children to be with them. God is no different. God wants us to be with him. And when we're gone too long... God is like, all right, I I need you to come on home. I need you to come home. See, his perspective on death is that you're going to come with me. You're going to be in a better place. In fact, Isaiah 57 verse 1 says, those who are right with God may die, but no one pays attention. Good people are taken away, but no one understands. Those who do right are being taken away from evil and are given peace. Those who live as God wants finds rest in death. Rest. Peace. You know, the world has taken that and it's kind of blanketed every death by rest in peace. Isaiah here says that those, it's those who are in Christ who will rest in peace. That should bring us comfort. That should bring us comfort knowing that those of us who are believers in Christ, who have made Jesus Lord of our lives, will rest in peace. But then it should also make us a little uncomfortable for those who die outside of Christ. Because if the believers of God, if the believers of Christ will rest in peace, then what does that mean? about those who are not in Christ. Who have not made Jesus Lord. There is no peace. There is no rest. You know, I I had a hard time getting ready for tonight. Because... You know, even though you know where people are going to go, it's impossible to not feel hurt. It's impossible to not feel that sense of loss. But you know what that says? That says about us, that says that we're family. 
that we really love. If you feel hurt, that's a good thing. If you feel lost, that's a good thing. That means that you really cared. Some of you may have not known Alexis as close as others, but you'll still feel the loss because we're family, and when one of us goes, we all feel it. We all feel that sense of loss. You know, I just have to remind myself, I have to look at these scriptures, I have to remind myself, even as the minister, that I, you know, I'm, I'm, it's okay to feel things. It's okay to, 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 to mourn over someone you know and love. You know, Alexis was a good friend. I'll never forget one time when I was, actually, I was recovering from, uh, two times I was recovering from surgery, my back surgery, her and Clayton drove over some food, and I was just, I was so grateful. I didn't ask them to do it, that's just who they are. I was recovering from my knee surgery, she drove over some soup, and it was some good soup, and they told me to share the soup. I can't remember if I did or not, I think my wife and I had a little discussion, but I said, they gave this to me. So... But this is Alexis. James, we dropped off some soup. Make sure you share some with Zalika. That's just who she was. She's always thinking about people. Others were always on her heart. You know, she not only had this perspective, this godly perspective, but she taught others to have that perspective. We have to mourn. We have to grieve. We have to support one another. But we also have to pray to find ways to rejoice in her death. You know, Jesus has taken her to be with him forever. Her death is precious in the Lord's sight because of how she lived for him. He rescued her from evil and gave her peace and rest. That is a reason to rejoice. I can't think of any other reason Better than to rejoice than knowing that someone you, you loved is no longer suffering. That's what we all want for people that we love. We don't want to see anyone suffering, and God is no different. His perspective is that death is not a bad thing, especially when you're in Christ. You know, unfortunately, we live in a fallen world. We live in an evil world. We live in a world where there's death, disease, Suffering. But we got to remember who's behind all that. Satan introduced death into the world through sin. God took death and used it as a tool to help us get to heaven. We were made to last forever on earth. But sin, sin ruined that plan. And so God is not one to be undone. God said, okay, you introduced death in the world. I'm going to take this thing that you meant to be a tool of disaster and destruction, and I'm going to use it to help prepare my people for heaven. You're not going to defeat me. See, God is unbeatable. And even out of the worst and darkest situations, God will shine through. You know, that wasn't God's perfect will, so we need to guard our hearts against accusing God of wrongdoing. Because it was sudden to us, it wasn't sudden to God. God knew exactly what he was going to do and when she was going to leave. To us, it feels like it was too short. Maybe you had a time where you were going to set up some time to get with Alexis. Maybe you had a, a phone date plan or, or she was going to come over and help you out with something. I don't know. You may feel like it was cut too short. But God knows it wasn't too short. God had that planned already. And it's okay to mourn that. It's okay. Just guard your heart against accusing God of wrongdoing. You know, Paul faced death many times. Look at his attitude about dying. Philippians 1, verse 21, to me, the only important thing about living is Christ, and dying would be profit for me. In verse 23, he said, 
It's hard to choose between the two. I want to leave this life and be with Christ, which is much better. But Paul understood that he needed to stay to prepare the Philippian church for dying. He needed to stick around a little longer to prepare them to meet the Lord. So he was torn at the two. We all want to be with God. We want to be with the Lord in heaven. But if God has kept us here, it's for a reason. The same reason he kept Paul as long as he did on earth. God is keeping us to help prepare others to meet him. We have to be praying to have a healthy perspective. To balance what's happening in this world with the spiritual. If we die in the light, the Bible teaches us that we're fine. But what about all those who were lost in 9-11? Who were unsure of whether they were in the light or not? You know, that, on that day, almost 3,000 lives were taken in one day. In one day. I mean, there are tragic things happening to all, all around us. You know, if, you've, if, if you're 18 years old, you probably don't even remember that day. This was 18 years ago. You know, you hear situations where there's not only one person that dies in a family, but a whole family dies. Just recently in Yonkers, a 12-year-old boy was shot in front of his building. Another 10-year-old child died earlier this week. An entire family died in a car accident last week. Entire families are dying. This is why what we do is so important. This is why the life we live in Christ is so crucial. Because people are dying. We know that when God calls us, we need to be ready. The reason why we're together is because we need to help each other be ready. There are people outside of this room who are not ready. And we got to help them get ready. And I can't think of any other way than by being a light to these people. You know, one thing that Alexis believed in is helping people get ready to see God. She devoted her life to it. Through serving people through hope, the Red Cross, studying the Bible with women, mentoring women, discipling them to maturity, even being encouraging to some brothers. Single brothers, married brothers. She devoted her life to helping people get ready, helping people stay ready, and helping the lost get ready. She needs to inspire us. Her life needs to encourage us to be a light as well. You know, this is the second sister we lost suddenly this year. And I really hope and pray that it helps us to be sober-minded. The only thing we can't lose in this life is our relationship with God. Everything else can be taken from us. Your car can be taken from you. Your health can be taken from you. Those you love can be taken from you. But your faith, you have to willingly give up. It can't be taken from you. We have to hand it over. Satan can't do anything about your faith if you don't allow him to. And so times like this, we need to cling to God even more. Because when you're most vulnerable is when Satan sees the opportunity to sneak in and find a reason to steal away your faith. We need to make sure that we're comforting each other. That we're encouraging each other to keep a godly perspective. You know, this is why living in the light is so important. First John 1 tells us to walk in the light as he is in the light. Not that you won't make mistakes. Not that you won't slip up from time to time, but 
You can't be living a secret life in the light. You know, I tell you one thing, you know, times like this really makes me start to think, man, is there anything in my life that I need to get honest about? Because just as suddenly as this happens to someone close to me, it can happen to me. I need to make sure that I get resolved about whatever's going on in my heart. Is there anything that's not in the light that I need to pull into the light? Now's the time to start thinking about that. You know, there are two examples I want to look at real quickly before we wrap up. And then Zalika's going to come up and, and talk about what we can do and what we plan to do to help overcome evil with good for the next couple weeks. In Ephesians 4, the Bible says to not let the sun go down. You know, this is talking about anger, right? But the overall principle is being urgent. Getting things resolved quickly before the sun goes down. You know, you want to get resolved. Whatever's going on in your life, whatever, whoever you need to talk to, talk to them now because you don't know if they'll be here tomorrow. We don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And so we got to be urgent. We need to be urgent. But I want to look at how Jesus handled a death, a very close death to him, and how we can also learn from that. In Jesus' life, he lost his first cousin, John the Baptist. John was a very special person because he paved the way for Jesus. He was Jesus' forerunner. He was prophesied about in Isaiah that he would make a way in the wilderness, a path that would lead to Jesus. So John the Baptist was probably the closest to a peer on earth that Jesus had. And it was evil that ended John's life abruptly. In Matthew 14, verse 12, John's followers came and got his body and buried it. Then they went and told, told Jesus. When Jesus heard what had happened to John, he left in a boat. And went to a lonely place by himself. You know, first thing that jumped out to me was that John the Baptist died and Jesus didn't even get to say goodbye. It says that his, his followers came, got the body, buried it. There's probably a, a ceremony. Jesus wasn't even there to say his, his, give his, his final respects to John the Baptist. So imagine the pain he felt not even being able to say goodbye. And so now Jesus is dealing with this, this loss. He, he just got this bad news. He goes off to a lonely place to be by himself. And what happens? The crowds heard about it and followed him on foot from the towns. When he arrived, he saw a great crowd waiting. And here's the lesson. He felt sorry for them and healed those who were sick. Even in death, even during his mourning, Jesus was still helping people. Now, I don't know about you, but I just want to crawl up into a, wall, uh, into a, a, a corner of my room. And I got to be honest, you guys know I keep it real. I was actually praying for some reason that tonight would be canceled so I wouldn't have to come. Because I, I, I'm like, I got a deal. I'm not okay, Lord. Can, we, can, the, can the school call us up and just say, hey, something's going on, just, just so I could go off to myself and spend some time with God? But the lesson here is, if you see death as a loss, then you'll retreat and shut everybody else out. But if you see death the way God sees death, then even when those around you are suffering, you can use that as an opportunity to help others who are hurting. I can't think of a better way to connect with someone than when you're hurting. Because then you're more empathetic. You can, you, you're more compassionate. Because you're dealing with the loss yourself. And that's a great way to pull someone in and say, hey, how are you doing? How are you handling that? Jesus couldn't turn people away. He couldn't, he couldn't just ignore them. 
But I don't want us to miss the point that Jesus did take some time to mourn. And we need to do that. You know, Jesus didn't just man up and just say, all right, well, amen, and, and, and go off note. He did go away with the intentions to grieve. And we need to make sure we do that. We need to make sure we grieve. When he got there, he saw that the people were hurting spiritually. And he was filled with compassion. And he was compelled to meet their need. I just want to encourage us to not miss any opportunities around us while we grieve. The second example is the early church. The death of one of their leaders, the first martyr we see in the Bible was Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, in verse 59, it says that while they were stoning him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and he cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against him. Now, I read over this scripture several times because I'm trying to wrap my mind around why this man who's being stoned by his audience after preaching the word, after trying to help spread the good news and do the right thing, why would he go to God and say, do not hold this sin against him? You know, I, I'm like, how, how could he be so outward? How could he, he still be thinking about these people? And the God just, just made it very clear to me that he understood how serious the separation between God and man really is. He understood that to be apart from God in death is, a is worse than what he's receiving by being stoned for doing the right thing. Sometimes we feel like what's happening to us is unimaginable. We can't, we can't understand how we could be allowed to go through something so painful. Stephen could have made that same reasoning. Lord, I'm being stoned for doing the right thing. But instead, he kept a godly perspective because he knew that if God had killed these men in their sin, they would be apart from God, which is a far worse death than what Stephen himself received. It says that Saul was there giving his approval to his death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. You know, when Stephen died, the Bible says that the church mourned deeply for him. We need to mourn. We need to grieve. We need to allow ourselves to feel this loss. Because eventually, some great good can come from all this. In Acts chapter 8, it says that those who have been scattered because of the persecution preached the word wherever they went. Again, trying to wrap my mind around this. God, how is it that people can be thinking about sharing their faith when their leader was just killed and they're being dragged out of their homes, they, they, their persecutors are going from house to house, dragging Christians out, throwing them in prison, doing other God know what, and yet they're still sharing their faith. They understood that there is a death far worse than what themselves were facing. And that compelled them to look beyond the danger that they faced to still spread the good news. Because there are still people out there who are hurting. We have comfort. We get comfort from God. We get comfort from one another. There are some out there who have nobody to talk to. There are some people right now who have no community. 
Let me tell you, one of the things that I was so amazed by and, and so encouraged by was while Alexis and the Clayton were at the hospital, there were disciples there every single night around the clock. Around the clock. Brothers taking shifts, staying with Clayton. Sisters bringing him food, bringing her mom food. I don't know if most of you know, but she was supposed to go to California to bury her father. And so her husband, who's grieving the loss of her, her, her mother, who's grieving the loss of her husband, is now at the hospital begging God to spare the life of her daughter. Talk about a Job week. But what was encouraging was that the disciples were there. Clayton and Alexis built family. And those fam that family that they built showed up. They were outside waiting to receive people. They were encouraging. They, get, they brought food. They brought water. They, I mean, there were people who were no longer part of the church that was there. The community of believers came together to support your brother and sister. There are people right now who don't have that. Who don't have that. If they, if they lose somebody, if somebody shows up, they show up. But who's there comforting them? This is what we have to give to people. This is what we have to offer the rest of the world. An opportunity to be a part of a community of believers who will be there for you when you need them. Who will show up even if you don't call because you can't pick up the phone. That's what we have to offer. You know, God, in Acts for, uh, verse 8, it says, So they were, there was great joy in that city. You know, Philip went down, he preached. People saw the miraculous signs. They saw people being healed. They saw people coming to Christ. And then there was great joy that followed great sorrow. This is an opportunity for God to do that with us. For us to see great rejoicing around us in the midst of great mourning. You know, the disciples, just like Jesus, they saw... That there was still those who were dying outside of Christ. And they couldn't, stand, they couldn't stand by and just let that happen. And so wherever they were at, they wanted to bring good news to people. Because they knew that to die without God is truly death. You know, we need to help those who are not in the light to come into the light. And this is the perfect opportunity to do that. 9-11 will forever be remembered as a day of great evil. A day of great loss. A day of great sorrow. Yeah, I remember 18 years ago, my wife and I, we were preparing for a staff meeting. My wife was outside praying. I was inside praying. And I got a phone call, turn on the news. A plane, to, you know, Empire State, I mean, the Twin Towers is on fire. You know, you turn it on and you just kind of think, okay, there's a fire. Why is this big news? And as I'm watching, I see the plane, the second plane, fly into the building. And at that moment, all chaos broke loose. We went into crisis mode. I knew a brother in Harlem who worked down down, I knew a couple brothers, one brother who worked in the building, one brother who worked across the street from where the towers were. We immediately said, hey, call everybody, make sure people are okay. And we got on the phone and we were calling up everybody that we knew who worked in the area. We found out there were people whose family members worked in the area. People were, were, were stuck on trains. There was a guy who, studied the, who was studying the Bible who was on his way to work in the towers. He got off the train, went back home because he forgot his Bible. Got his Bible, got back on the train, 
On his way downtown, they stopped the trains in the station and alerted the people as to what was happening. Had he had not gotten off that train to go after his Bible, he would have died. And he was studying the Bible. He was on his way to making Jesus Lord of his life. In Romans 12, verse 21, the Bible says, Do not let evil defeat you, but defeat evil by doing good. Let me ask you guys something. How do you feel about doing good? How do you feel about overcoming evil? Because that's what we're called to do. To sit by and let this day, let, let this time go by as, as, as just a, a day of mourning and not do something about it, we're saying without saying it that evil won. There were over 3,000 people who lost their lives. 3,000 people who lost their lives in one day. And God has given us an opportunity. God has given us the tools to help people. To help true, to truly help people. And so I want to encourage us to imitate our brothers and sisters in the first century church. To imitate Jesus. To have a godly perspective about death and loss. Yes, we need to mourn. Yes, we need to grieve. But we also need to remember that death of a believer is not the end. And that there are people that God wants us to see come to Christ because when they die, outside of Christ, that's it. And we have an opportunity to do something. We have a great opportunity to imitate our brothers and sisters in the first century of defeating evil with good. And my wife is going to come up and reveal our plan of how we will hope to do that for the next couple of weeks. Thank you. Amen. I just want to thank James again for helping us um, to have a godly perspective. I know it's a difficult time. Um, I do want to tell you I got some of that soup. I did get some of that soup that she brought over. <laughs> she actually packed me a separate container, like on the side, and then she gave James his container, and she gave me mine on the side to make sure I had some. So, and that's, that's how Alexis was. Um, but uh, as James said, we, we really want to take this opportunity to make a dent, to make an impact on the world, to overcome evil with good. And... Um, as you know, this year, our theme is just grow. And we've been looking at the spiritual disciplines, a different discipline each month. We've talked about prayer and fasting and meditation and uh, one another relationships and repentance. And actually, our, our spiritual discipline for September is evangelism. And, um, and so we want to inspire, encourage, lead you in a church-wide evangelistic outreach. And uh, here are our guiding scriptures. The first one is overcome evil with good. The other is in Acts 16, verse 14, when um, the disciples went to Macedonia. In verse 14, it says, One of them was Lydia from Theatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshipped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart, and she accepted what Paul was saying. You know, it's awesome that it was the Lord that opened her heart. You know, the reason why we're here is because the Lord opened our heart. We can't even take credit for our own salvation. We're here not just because somebody reached out to us, but also because the Lord opened our heart. And we're praying that God will open the hearts of people around us. Um, as James had referred to several times tonight, nearly 3,000 people died on September 11, 2001, because of an evil act of hate and violence. Our goal is to overcome evil with good. As a ministry, we want to inspire us together to share with a new soul to represent each of the 3,000 people that died that day. To give an opportunity to represent each person that was lost. We can't do this alone. We have to work together. And that's why James said two by two. 
So the plan is two by two for two weeks. We want to encourage each of us to choose a partner, to pair up with someone, preferably in your group, your small group, that you can pray with and encourage one another. If we each meet someone new every day for the next two weeks, we will reach at least as many souls as were lost on that day. We have a calendar that we've created with some prompts to make it exciting for you, but you don't have to use it, but it is a tool. And, you know, things like share with someone of a different nationality than you or share with someone of a different generation than the one that you are in or were born in or share your faith with a man. And we also have a time where it's call someone that used to be a part of the church and encourage them. But on each day, there's something for us to do to to overcome evil with good. Um, I do, so choose a partner, preferably within your small group. Uh, you don't need to meet up with that person every day. That's impractical. We know we all have lives, but we, we have so many ways of staying in touch with one another. Through text messaging, through, you know, calling one another, through emailing. The idea is that we have daily prayer, encouragement, accountability, and inspiration. Um, we do encourage you, whoever that partner is, to try to meet up with them one time in the next two weeks where you can actually reach out to people in Harlem. Just one time in the next two weeks. But our prayer, and then uh, the goal will be, obviously, to reach as many people as, as were lost on September 11th and beyond. And uh, on September 29th, we are going to have a service. We're just going to encourage everyone, just bring a friend. And this is something that we can be talking to people about uh, as we're reaching out to them. Uh, we do have invitations that are being worked on. Hopefully we'll have them by Sunday. But we do have the calendars tonight. Um, it will have on it other events that are happening in our ministry this month, but it will also have those prompts to encourage you ideas of who to reach out to. I do want to encourage you to be led by the Spirit. You know, don't, don't, if it says share your faith with somebody, you know, with a hat or glasses on, but the Spirit is leading you to someone else, don't say, well, they don't have a hat. So, no, talk to them. <laughs> Whoever the Spirit leads you to, speak to that person. This is just a tool. Don't let it restrict you. Amen? Um, you know, I was just thinking about how there are service projects going on, especially today, this week, all throughout New York, people are doing projects of service. Because they want to do good. They want to remember the lost, but they want to do something good for the community. And they're doing, you know, there's all kinds of things, meals, and there's all kinds of things happening. But we have something that we can offer people that so many others can't. We can offer an opportunity to be right with God. We can offer salvation. That is something that so many other people can't. They can do things that are going to make a temporary difference, but we can offer something that makes an eternal difference. That's the good that we want to do. You know, I do um, have to say that we came up with this, we prayed, we asked God to lead us in the month of September to how can we work together and practice this discipline of evangelism. It really is a discipline because, you know, just like anything, you get better at it, you get more comfortable with it, more effective with it, the more you do it, the more you practice it. It is a discipline. But I really struggled this week about whether or not we should do this. You know, I think with the loss of Alexis, I'm just, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, guys. I mean, we're, we're, we're hurt, we're shocked, we're heartbroken. And I really thought, you know, is this the right time for this? But then I started to think about who Alexis was and how her heart was for people, how she, the reason why she was so involved with hope is because she really wanted to bring hope to this world, and she did. Um, she was always serving others, and so it just helps me to think about that, that in her honor, in God's honor, in her honor, in the honor of all the people whose lives were lost, that we can do something to overcome evil with good. And so that's our goal for the next two weeks, to pair up two by two to talk to someone new each day, to give them an opportunity to know God, and to bring someone with us on September 29th to worship and to be able to hear the word. 
And I hope that we will all um, give our hearts. I pray that we can all, that God will just lead us to the hearts that he has opened. Just like Lydia's hearts, there are hearts that God is opening right now. And we're just praying that God will lead us to those hearts. Um, I think that's it. Amen. Amen. So, in just a moment here, um, I'd like for us to just spend a few moments in prayer. Um, I do want to just point out, again, like Zalika was saying, you know, be, be led by the Spirit. Um, I know sometimes, you know, we're given things and we can check it off and be like, all right, I met someone with a hat, and that's it. Um, meet some people with a hat. I know for some of us, this is going to be a, a challenge. For some of us, this is easy. You might be able to do all of it in one day. Amen. My encouragement would be, if, you, if this is a discipline you struggle in, then find someone who doesn't struggle with this and partner up with them. Even if you've got to do three people in the team, whatever you've got to do, just be led by the Spirit of God. I owe my salvation to a young man who decided he was going to share his faith one last time. I was that one last time. Because he had been rejected all day, sharing his faith, and he's like, all right, I'm just going to share with one more person, and that's it. I was that one person. He had no idea that I was calling, that I was was ready for God, that God had opened my heart, and that I was ready. You never know who God will lead you to meet. It can be the next evangelist of Harlem. It can be the next evangelist of the Bronx. It can be the next elder. It can be the next women's ministry leader. You have no idea who God can lead you to meet. So my encouragement is don't give in to fear. Pray together. Admit it. But that's why we want to encourage each other to do two by two. Because we know there's more confidence when there's more of us. But let, be led by the Spirit. And I believe that God is going to lead us to some open souls. Amen? Um, Amaldi's going to come up after we pray and give you the funeral details for Alexis. Um, the funeral will be held on September 21st, and he'll come up and he'll give you some more details with that. But with that in mind, let's go to God with, in prayer, and then um, Amaldi will come up and give those details. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, we come before you, and we're so grateful that you are the God of all comfort. We're so grateful that we can come to you any time of the day with any request, for any reason. Father, we're so grateful that when we come before you that you will not hold our sin against us. Father, we are so grateful that you've given us this tool of prayer that even when we don't realize that we're in need, the Holy Spirit is praying on our behalf. Father, we are set up to win in so many ways. And we're just so grateful that you are with us and not against us. We're so grateful that not even death can separate us from your love. We're so grateful to be a part of a community of believers that will be there in our time of need to pray with us, to cry with us, to share scriptures, to just sit in silence with us, to feed us, to nurture us back to health, to just walk with us when we can barely walk on our own. We're grateful to be a part of this church. We know that Jesus gave his very life to see this happen. And we're so grateful that we're a part of it. Father, I want to pray right now for Clayton. I pray that you will wrap your arms around him. That even as we're praying right now, that his spirits are lifted, that he'll feel comforted by you, he'll feel held by you, he'll feel loved by you. I pray, God, he'll feel protection in your arm, that he'll feel compassion. I pray that you'll remove whatever fear it is in his heart and replace it with faith. I pray that whatever confusion he's, he's battling right now, whatever questions he has that you're ready to answer, I pray that you'll answer. Father, I pray that you'll replace any anger with joy. That you'll help him to trust you. 
that you'll guard his heart, that you'll surround him with people who will just be there to listen, who will be wise enough to know when to speak and when not to speak. Father, I pray that you'll protect his heart from any insensitive comments. I pray that you'll be with her mom, who was just a week ago preparing to bury her husband. And now she has to bury her daughter. Father, only you know where she stands with you. I just pray that this opportunity will not be missed. I pray that she'll see the love of the kingdom, that you will overwhelm her heart with the love of the kingdom. That she'll see all those that Alexis and Clayton has touched and how devoted and loyal that they are to them and that she'll want that for herself. I pray that as a family travels in to pay their respects, to say goodbye to their loved one, that they'll see the love of the kingdom. I pray that they'll want this for themselves. That they'll want their, their own, they'll want their, 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 a community of believers for their own. That they'll want to be a part of this. That they'll get rid of excuses and, and, and reasons for not making you Lord. That they'll, they'll see past that and see the opportunity presented to them. And Father, I pray for all the families, all the families who have lost a loved one and this tragedy that happened 18 years ago. It's amazing to see how people are still grieving. There are people who are still unable to say goodbye to their loved one because their remains could not be found. There are people who need closure. There are people who, who, who want answers. There are children who lost their parents in that attack. Their parents who lost their children in that attack. Lives were changed forever. And Father God, we ask that you will comfort those who are still hurting, who are still grieving, as only you can. Father, we pray that they will not be given a false hope, but that they'll be given you, that they'll be given the truth, that they'll be given hope in Christ. Father, we pray that you will lead us to those open souls. Father, we know that this is just a plan to, to reach as many people as possible. We know that you can take any plan and make it amazing. Father, we ask that you'll help us to do this because there are people who will die outside of Christ Jesus. And this is just our one way, an effort, to do what we can to, to help make a difference in our community in our jobs, in our neighborhood, wherever we're at in our schools. Father, we ask that you will help us to make a difference in someone's life this month. Father, that just as I was calling out to you and, and, and hoping to, to find answers and, and to have the confusion in my heart resolved, I pray that you'll lead us to young men who are seeking you, young women who are seeking you, couples who are on the verge of divorce, of adultery, of ruin. Lead us to them. Help us to show them that there is another way, that there is hope, and that there is a God who cares. Father, I pray that you'll, you'll send us, whether it's directly or indirectly, God, let people share their faith with us. Do whatever it takes. I pray that we'll not miss opportunities. That if someone speaks to us, that we'll speak to them. That we'll have the opportunity to offer them an invitation to join the mission, to be a part of this community. Father, I pray for those who were once a part of our fellowship to return. I pray that you'll give them the courage I pray that you'll give them the faith to make that return. I pray that you'll, you'll, everyone that we're connected to that's no longer a part of our church, I pray, God, that you will help us to have life-changing conversations with them. That whatever it was that led them to leave, Father, I pray that they'll be able to let it go and come back. That you'll help them to resolve whatever issue has kept them away from you. 
that has kept them away from this community. God, help us to make a powerful difference, to leave a powerful impact. And we ask that you will help us to grieve, to mourn, to comfort one another, to be there for each other, to to talk, to vent, to do whatever we need to to get our hearts clear and open before you. God, we're hurting right now because we have to say goodbye. But we know that this is not the end. I pray that we'll all get a chance to see our fallen brothers and sisters in heaven and that there will be a party like none other and we'll all get to be a part of it. We love you. We thank you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.